podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Jamie Carragher and you are listening to the Copite Podcast. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to the Capoy Podcast and another episode of The Stats Show. We haven't done one for a couple of weeks, I guess, but we're back with a with another one. I mean, it's not going to be very stats-related, maybe at the beginning, but maybe towards yeah. the end uh, we can get into some friendly stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm joined by Mike from Opta. Mike, how are you doing? Hi, Mick. Yeah, um, still reeling from the news, but um, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mad, isn't it? It just doesn't feel real of course we knew it was going to happen at some point because of the um speculation and getting him getting pictured in training and just weird stuff that was happening it just kind of it felt normal when that was coming out like the training footage was like how weird is it gonna get it just kept getting weirder and weirder and weirder and of course it's been announced today that he um has joined al etifak um yeah it's like you said it's a, it's a mad one to kind of wrap your head around really because after people leaving last end of last season and getting the big the big hurrah the big farewell and he's kind of went in a in a in a weird way I've I mean we'll all have to come to terms with it in our own way I guess because of how it's happened but it's been a mad journey but 11, um, 12 years at the club and basically won everything but he's had a he's had a mad journey himself a mad journey out of the door but a mad journey in the door and um, potentially out the door to Fulham and um, staying on and being captain and lifting all the trophies and um, yeah, there's there's loads of ups and downs. I think he mentions that in his little goodbye video. Klopp mentions it as well in his farewell. And um, I just thought we'd go with like our favourite Henderson moments. I know you said before we started recording, there's, there's quite a lot, but mm. um, what, what would you say are your, are your highlights? I mean, the first, I think you can't not mention the sort of Hendo shuffle with all the trophy lifts. I mean, you know you're having a successful period where it becomes a thing about how many steps you're making in your shuffles and when, you, when you're lifting the trophy. So um, I think it's hard to not mention those. And I think the Champions League one in 2019, that's probably the, the best one he did, to be fair. It was the sort of iconic images. There was the image of him and Klopp hugging. Um, but in terms of his on-field moments um there's there's quite a few that i can sort of pick out in my head probably my favorite goal he scored was the one against chelsea in 2016-17 i think chelsea went on to win the league that season uh, but it was at stamford bridge really on in the season conte just joined them and he scored the absolute worldy of a goal from 30 yards where he's, he's, he's cushioned um the ball and he's curled it into the top corner it's it's, it's probably his best goal um and certainly i remember it well it was such a just such a great goal and it ended up winning liverpool game 2-1 um he scored a great one against man city um in the 
14-15 season, um, which was an, an, another absolutely brilliant goal. Um, he had the one against winner against Milan in the Champions League in 21-22, which I remember well when I think we were 2-1 down at half-time in that game, trying to find a way back into the game. And it, and it was an absolutely belting shot from him from the sort of edge of the box. Um, so there's plenty of, of, of goals now. He wasn't obviously a regular goal scorer, but those are the ones, to me, they stand out anyway as sort of being his big ones. Um, I remember him in the Club World Club having to play centre-half, I think, in one of them games against, um, was it uh, Monterey in the semi-final? And he had to play centre-half because we had a few players injured at the time. And he did a really good job. Um, and and I, th- I think he also played right back a couple of times um, in the sort of, 2018-19 season when uh, um, Alexander Arnold was out and he, was, he had to fill in there. So he's, he's sort of done so many different things at Liverpool. Um, and obviously, it's hard to pick that one moment where, yeah, that's that's my favourite um, Henderson moment. I'll probably say the Chelsea goal if you uh, if you push me on it just because of how good a goal it, it was. It's probably my favourite goal. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think? What, what's yours, Mick? Yeah, I think all the ones you mentioned there. I was going to mention the Milan one because I was I was there that night and it was a hell of a hell of a strike. I just think as even as last goal, which is his official last goal against uh, Everton in that four-one win, I think that one as well, edge of the yeah. box and he just curls the bottom corner. But like you said, there's been there's been loads, and I think he's probably didn't score as much as his right foot warranted, really, because we've mm-hmm. seen over the years he's got a he's got a hell of a shot, and I just don't think he did it often enough or maybe didn't have the confidence to do it or especially playing the systems and the positions he's played in maybe didn't get into those areas maybe to score as much he was more, I guess he was more of an assister um, and when you talk about assists I always think of the one for um, Salah outside of the boot and he goes Absolutely. through on goal against against Man United so there's, there's there's quite a few but I think he mentions in his in his farewell video like the, the Champions League Lifting of that was his, was probably his greatest night and his, his best moment. And I think it's hard to look past that. I mean, I would say the Premier League, but I think because of the circumstances with no fans and stuff, I think if there yeah. was fans allowed, I think that would be the ultimate. But I think Agreed. probably champion, Champions League um, as in moment. But yeah, goals and assists, plenty of them. I just feel like it's, um, it's, just, it's just hard to kind of wrap your head around, isn't it? Because we want them to have that proper goodbye and Klopp mentions in his in his farewell video that he did today that will he'll have to have a like a proper farewell in, in the future yeah. whenever that will be. But Definitely. I don't know how that will go down or how that will feel because of the way it's kind of gone really. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, and there is one other game I won't want to mention in the sort of memories is the Barcelona four nil. It's almost forgotten Henderson was brilliant that game and to be honest we wouldn't have won that game at 4-0, certainly not 4-0 if Henderson didn't play as well as he did. Um, so that's probably another big, big one that I, I wish I'd mentioned when, in the first question. But yeah, it's really tricky because I think you mentioned earlier, you know, Milner, uh, Firmino, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Cater, they got an Anfield send-off. Um, you know, they got amazing um, receptions at Anfield to sort of wave goodbye to their brilliant careers with the club. And Henderson hasn't had that. I think he obviously wasn't expecting to leave. Um, I think that's fairly clear or else they would have done something then with all, all those other players. But for 
you know, it just feels so sour that the captain of this iconic era that Liverpool have had leaves in this way where it's just come all of a sudden. Um, it, he doesn't, he won't get a goodbye, certainly not imminently. Um, it just feels a bit, you know, compared to the career he's had at Liverpool, like a, a bit of a damp squib. And that's, I think that's the most upsetting um, part of it, really, that, that he, he will ultimately, in 20 years, will you talk about how he left the club? I'm not so sure. I think in 20 years, he will be rightly seen as like just a legend. And he was the captain of that um, iconic era. One of my favourite stats is he is the only captain in English football history to with a single club captain a club to the first division or Premier League, European Cup, Champions League, FA Cup and League Cup finals all as captain. Uh, he's the only one to, to do it with one club. Um, and I think that epitomises the success that he sort of brought. Um, and I do wish that like Firmino and Milner and Ox and, and Kater, he'd had a he'd had a farewell at, at that sort of time now because um I mean, it's just the way the cookie crumbles and it's the way it's fallen that um, he, he obviously wasn't aware he was leaving at the time. Were, I don't think there were even any inclinations it was going to happen. There was no there was no talk at all. We just assumed he would be our captain for the, the next season at least. Um, so, yeah, it, it feels that's the upsetting part. I think what, what I'm trying to rationalise in my head is in that 20 years he will still be remembered as a legend. How he, how he left what so much... Uh, matter and maybe he'll get a testimonial game at some point which would be great and I mean he's got quite a few good players to pick between to to play in that game but yeah it's just it's just upsetting that he doesn't get the farewell that his 12 years have have really deserved yeah I think it's just because it feels a bit raw doesn't it and I think because because we are Liverpool and we're a bit more romantic I guess about our captains and about our players and we want them to have the right send off and give them a proper farewell and it just feels a little bit I think where he where he's going as well and we won't get into all that stuff but that's another um another sticking point I guess but um yeah I guess yeah goodbye to Jordan Henderson it's, it does feel mad to say that I don't think like you said no one ever expected that this season especially losing your vice captain and your and your captain in the in the same summer is a bit of a crazy one so it is a proper transitional um window or year this year um, especially because like what we're going to move on to now is Fabinho uh, because it looks like he's out the, going out the door as well there was doubts about whether it was going to happen um, a load of mad stuff uh, Ornstein obviously heard about the rumours about it could be his dogs or whatever and I just that was just one of the maddest thing, one of the maddest tweets ever it's like He's not. Um, it's been. It's hit a hitch, but and then just finished it with. It's not. It's not about his dogs. And I just thought that was like, as, as tweets go, absolutely classic. <laughs> true, true, silly season, isn't it? Like, yeah. what is going on here? It's just honestly, it's just so funny. Uh, but yeah, it's been confirmed that he's not travelling with the with the squad to Singapore, and it looks like the forty million deal looks like it looks like it's going ahead to Al Itihad. Um, what are, your, what are your thoughts on, on this one, Mike? Because we've mentioned, I, I suppose it goes in the same category of proper, makes it even more of a transitional season because you're losing your, what would have been your starting six if we were playing Chelsea tomorrow, I imagine, and and your captain of, of 12 years. It's it's going to be, I think we can replace them with, with a lot of quality, but it's the, I think we've mentioned before, all the, 
all the stuff you don't see behind the scenes. I think that's going to be difficult to replace it. I suppose if we replace the players, replace those players with enough quality, it should be a smoother transition. But I still think it's going to be. We might have a few teeth and problems, I guess, along the way. Hundred percent agree because, as it stands, if Fabinho is is to confirm to be going, um, Alexis McAllister will be Liverpool's second oldest midfielder, and he's twenty four. Um, and then you've then you've got Sobers Lyon Jones at twenty two. Um, so it's it's an incredibly young midfield. So it's not just it's not just about you losing your captain, your vice captain, and your mainstay holding midfielder. Who's replacing these are young players who don't have anywhere near. This is no disrespect. You can't replace the, the experience Milner and Henderson have, and you know that that they've, 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 there's nothing that between those two in the game they haven't seen. Um, and these young players, I mean, maybe it'll be an advantage. That'd be nice that that they're sort of that youthful exuberance that they'll have and, and that innocence, and maybe they'll they'll just play with more freedom in, in a way. Um, but I just feel, you know, that it, it will cause, you mentioned the word teething problems, that's how I see it could be an issue. Um, because I think in, in a normal season, if, if you're, it's pretty much an entirely new midfield. I know Thiago Jones and Elliot will still be there, but imagine a midfield of McAllister, Soboslai and, and let's say Lavia, um, if, if, if that were to end up happening. It is an entirely new midfield and it's not beyond the realms that, that would be a midfield three for certain games. Um, so it's hard enough bedding in an entirely new midfield as is. But the fact that those midfielders are 24, 22 and 19 years old when they're replacing players in the 30s um, of 29 as Fabinho is, with their experience, with that leadership, it just adds a new level of uncertainty, which I don't think I can ever remember being this uncertain about how Liverpool are going to look, how it's going to how it's going to work, certainly early on in the season. That I don't think I can ever remember being this unsure about how that's going to go. I've, I'm really excited about the signings. I think Sobers line particularly is is, a, is an exceptional signing. Um, McAllister's obviously got that Premier League experience behind him, even at 24 World Cup winner. So he's, he's experienced a lot for his age, um, but he's never even played in European competition with with Brighton. So there's certain things like that where. You know, it's just that unknown for me, um, and uh, we'll just have to trust Klopp. It's nice that McAllister and and Sobosly have had a, pretty much a full pre-season to get used to the team and and what Klopp will be expecting of them. Whoever, if there are any more new signings coming, they won't have that, and I think that's possibly another issue there where um, they won't have had that time with the, the squad and uh, not not as long with the squad as McAllister and Sobosly. So yeah, it's 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 those uncertainties and teething problems early on, um, which Liverpool can't really afford. We've got quite a tough start. Chelsea away opening game is, I mean, they've got uncertainties of their own with Pochettino coming in and a new look team. Um, but it's not ideal. Um, to me, anyway, that's how, I, how I, I'd see it. I don't know if you agree, Mick, but that's sort of the, a worry for me anyway. Yeah, I think so. I think it's because Liverpool, we generally have it's usually like one or two leaving and you kind of, well, I suppose recent years we haven't been very proactive in the midfield section. Uh, we're getting players in. I think we can all agree on that now. Yeah. With hindsight, we should have done the the, um, the signings a long time ago, but we generally only lose a couple. It's usually a qu- quite close-knit bunch that we have and the 
we had little bits along the way, or if someone leaves, we have to replace them, like like Diaz coming in, and then we we lost Sadio, so it kind of fills the gaps a little bit. But we tend to do it in like a, a slower way, and we're usually proactive in terms of getting players in, maybe ready in case something happens, rather than reactive and being like, "Oh shit, we're losing." All the midfielders that we knew we were going to lose, and now we're losing. You start on six and uh, your captain. So it, it's the being reactive and and stuff. But I don't know if you saw the the chat Klopp did on the We Are Liverpool, like the official Liverpool podcast, and it was a really a, a really good watch to be fair because he he's quite open and honest about we're going to have a great team start of the season. Obviously, he didn't talk about Henderson or Fabinho in in that, but you could tell that's kind of what he was referencing that we need to bring. In players, um, but I just want to—I want to reference the stat that you posted this morning and about, um, yeah, Henderson and Firmino and the rest of them, and how many appearances they made for Liverpool, and and why it's uh, maybe such a massive thing, and links into what you were saying before about it being a bit feeling a bit uncertain, I guess, about this season. Yeah, so I, I tweeted it this morning, but the stat is that between those players leaving, the main ones anyway, Henderson, Firmino, Milner, Fabinho. Also, Chamberlain and Cater have ignored like like Leighton Stewart, I think he's joining Preston or Arta Mello cancelling his loan. If you ignore them, between those key players, they've made 1,680 appearances for Liverpool. Um, so, to context how many that is, if you look at seasons where players have made their last appearance for Liverpool, there's only been one season where um, the players who made their last appearance in that season, they, they added up to more appearances, and that was 77-78, uh, where Ian Callaghan was in there. He had he made his Liverpool's record appearance, make 857 games. That's probably a record that will never get beaten. Um, but it also includes Tommy Smith, well over 600 games. He captained the club for a long time. John Toshak was left in that season as well. Um, and the Toshak-Keegan partnership was a big big thing in the 70s for Liverpool so um, uh, that shows that's the level of upheaval that's happened that much that wealth of experience and history with the club is is, is gone and I think that stat does sort of emphasise how you know that's other than that season I think this is probably the one where you would say this is the most um, change Liverpool have, will have between from one season to the next and as you mentioned, I'm not convinced Klopp really expected this. I think he might have thought of the older midfielders, obviously we knew Milner was going, but then there's Thiago, Fabinho and Henderson. He probably thought, oh, I might lose one of them. But now to definitely be losing two of them, he's thinking, wow, I've really got a job on now um, in terms of you know, replacing that and making sure players are bedded in properly. Um so, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to ultimately. It's, that, it's just that upheaval and change in the team. Change is exciting as well. Um, I think we, we don't have to always phrase it negatively, and it is exciting. It'd be great to see the new players play. Sobosly, McAllister and Lavia possibly, players like that. Trent playing in this inverted full-back role. It's all, it's all, there's lots to be excited about. Um, but when you're trying to chase Man City and you need to be perfect to chase Man City, can we be that? And that's where there's the uncertainty whether we can be a 90-plus point team to, to do that. Um, the, the starting goal has to be get back in the Champions League first and then kick, kick on from there. Yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. Then I was about to say, like the vibe I get from social media and people that, I, I mean, 
tend to trust on social media in terms of their opinions is like it's um nervousness because of what, what you've just mentioned there all the players that are leaving but also excitement because this is a a real changing of the guard with players leaving and hopefully Lavia um I mean we'll talk about that in a second but potentially coming in and um potentially other players coming in and we've discussed over on on WhatsApp about like leaders like who's gonna who's gonna be that voice who's gonna who's gonna go right it's me now like yeah. even if I'm not captain I know we've lost Vice and captain I need to step up like Sir Virgil Allison Salah uh, Trent Robertson there's there's a load of leaders in there that we need to um, I guess need to step up and not because they weren't leaders anyway but because I suppose those two positions were so taken very clearly by those two people um, maybe they didn't want to step on toes or whatever but I guess they were leaders anyway which is what I'm trying to say but they need to there's now defined roles um, up for grabs I guess in terms of who's that going who's that's going to be. Um, but yeah, actually, I'll, I'll ask you that, Mike. Who, who are you thinking for for captain and vice? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I think it will be Van Dyke as captain because I think Klopp has he's, he was always been third captain. I think it was a vote, wasn't it? Liverpool players did a vote, didn't they, for the next captains below Milner and Henderson? It was Van Dyke. It was the players you mentioned, Van Dyke, Alexander Arnold Robertson, and Allison were. Next on the list, I think Salah's got to be in there as well. I think he's he's got to be considered one of the leaders of the team. Um, and I I want I would love to see it given to Trent. I don't think it will. Like I said, I think it will be given to uh, Van Dyke. I think there's sort of echoes of similarity for Trent, where Gerard was made captain at a similar age to what um, Alexander Arnold is now, about 24, that sort of age. Um, he's made permanent captain ahead of Hippier. Um so I sort of feel like there's a, a, a you could almost use it and say, right, Trent, you're captain of the team now. You're the player we are going to be build around for the next ten years, like like Steven Gerrard was. Um, at the time, there is a sort of argument that that it could be a, a great catalyst for Trent to be the leader of his local team and uh, and, and become. Will it make him more vocal? Because I'm not sure he is the most vocal necessarily on the pitch. When you mentioned though, Henson and Miller were so vocal. Did he need to be as such? Um, so yeah, um, he would possibly have to become maybe more of a vocal captain, and maybe that's where Van Dyke maybe is more vocal. Andy Robertson perhaps more vocal. Allison certainly, albeit the issue with having a goalkeeper as your captain, he can't really influence. Up, up the field, you know, if there's a, a, a dodgy free kick given at the fire end of the pitch, your goalkeeper's not going to come running up to the referee and, and try to get the opinion of the team across. Um, so that's po- possibly the issue with picking Alisson. Uh, but in the dressing room, I would consider Alisson one of the biggest leaders in the team. The way he spoke last season when the team was struggling, I think he spoke really well publicly. Um, he was he was quite honest. Um, so, yeah, I, my, my answer to your question is I'd like it to be Trent. I think it will be be Virgil. To be honest, I think those two will be 
captain and vice captain anyway, possibly. Uh, it, we'll see how Klopp decides whether they put it to another vote or not. Um, but I think it will be Van Dijk as the, the main captain. Yeah, I think any two of that variety, I think, is. I think Trent would be a, a massive shock, but I think the team would get it uh, being a local lad and they would give him the all the tools that he needed to be able to do that. And you might get... I think the, I think people... The worry with people is, um, with Trent specifically, is about, like you said, is he vocal enough? But I feel like if it's like a set, a set standard and a, a set... Um, players in roles then it's, it's like you said you don't want to then come in and be another one of them you want to be mm. like well i'll just do my job get on with it but i think if you give i think if you give trent the captaincy it can i mean it could go it could go badly i guess i guess there's always an opportunity for that but i feel like it would bring out more qualities the the leading on the pitch the basically doing what gerard did was leading by is football, he, yeah. and, and then you'd have Carragher as the as the voice, and I suppose you could, if that had happened, it'd be the exact same. The the captain in midfield and the vice in in defence, um, trying to lead the line. So I think any of those two varieties would be, um, I think we we could we could be very happy with. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about before we move on to what this, the show is about, the stat show and some of the stats and the friendlies. I just wanted to get your thoughts on Lavia because obviously, like I mentioned, like first bid. 37 million was rejected um but it looks like Liverpool are going to come back with another one up with the value of 45 million with add-ons I imagine that is I think they still value him at 50 but I think if we can get get him for 40 with like add-ons of maybe 5 million I think for a player that is like you've mentioned is still very young but from so like you said instead of stats it's a very small sample but I think he's got all the qualities and I think he's got all the the right qualities for a for a club team to come in and, and to to be really good for us, hasn't he? I, I read in the Athletic, I think it was last year that Chelsea actually bid fifty million for him on deadline day last summer, um, and Southampton turned that down, um, which they're probably regretting now because I'm not sure anyone wants to now pay fifty million. But um, yeah, so it's an interesting one. I, yeah, if, if we can get anything below that fifty million. Whatever the makeup is with add-ons, I'd be okay with that because he is an excellent player. He ticks a lot of boxes. His passing is is great. He can carry the ball. He can win the ball back. He's comfortable in tight spaces. He is very young, but the the, the positive of that in terms of Liverpool squad is he doesn't have to be registered in the squad, so he doesn't take up a like a non-homegrown squad spot. And when he is old enough, he will actually be considered homegrown because he's been in England long enough despite the fact he's, he's obviously Belgian. So in, in the long run, it makes a lot of sense. And I've mentioned him as a name on, on ver- your podcast and other podcasts and things where I think he's a name that makes a lot of sense as far as that goes. I think there's, there's two issues. The, the two issues I have with him as a signing, um, if he's the only signing, I should say, is obviously being 19, we've talked about in the show the experience that Fabinho has and that, that knowledge, he doesn't have that. You're suddenly asking him to go from a team battle in relegation, you're suddenly asking to become the mainstay number, number six or defensive midfielder, however you want to phrase it, for the team trying to get back in the Champions League. It's a huge, huge step up for a 19-year-old. So that's, that's the first thing I, I would say. It's a lot of responsibility if that is the plan. The second area, statistically, where he isn't as 
on Fabinho's level is aerially, which you may think, oh, does a midfielder need to be that good in the air? Um, but he basically he doesn't con- contest as many aerial duels as Fabinho does nowhere near, but he also wins about 15% fewer of them when he does. So his win rate for these aerials is about 15% lower. I think the issue with that is set pieces. Um, there was a period last season where Liverpool defensively were good from set pieces last season, but there was a period where Fabinho was injured and Henderson was injured. The midfield was Thiago, Elliot and Bicetic. And that was a great midfield, but for that period, I think Liverpool looked a lot more vulnerable from set pieces. And it's because they didn't have players like Henderson and Fabinho who are really good in the air as well. And I, I think that goes... Un, under, it's sort of an underrated feature of those two of players. And Lavia in the air, his aerial numbers are just n- not good. Um, so that will be lacking. And also, if we're going to implement the high press again, which I think it looks like we're, tr- we're setting up pre-season for that, and you're forcing the opposition to go along to try and break your press, if you've got someone like Fabinho, and, along with Van Dijk, he can win the headers and mop up those long balls. Can Lavia do that as much? That's those. So those are my two issues. His age, can he replace Fabinho just for that? When the going gets tough, sort of experience thing, and and aerially, is he that level? But every other box, you know, the fact is he'll be homegrown. The fact he is his passing is, is is exceptional, really comfortable on the ball. He can carry the ball forward, which is probably better than Fabinho in terms of his ability to run with the ball forward. Um, so he ticks a lot of boxes there. But those are my two, my only two questions. So I'd also, I'd almost say, would there be possibly the op- op- option of Liverpool bringing in a more experienced signing as well, just to help bed him in, um, someone in the sort of 27, 28, 29 age range bracket who can play that role, uh, who 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 has more knowledge. I, I'm not going to throw any names out there because I've, I've, I've no idea basically, but. Um, would that that I'd possibly look at that because then you're not putting all this pressure on a 19 year old and then an 18 year old in Bicetic as his backup as well. So you're basically putting two kids as your defensive midfielders, and that is a it's it's that's 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 one area of concern there. Yeah, I think so. I think but that I think that would be something that he'll be told that that needs to be worked on because I think he's five eleven, so he's not. He's not the smallest. I think it's something yeah. he can he can he can improve on it. I think if he improves on his aerial duels, then he's going to be pretty um, <laughs> pretty amazing in terms Good of all round player. Then a yeah. full pa- a full package. Yeah. I think if he was like five seven, five eight, I'd be a bit more concerned. But I think yeah. he's I think he's shown he's got enough fight in the in the belly, and I think that sometimes even gives you an edge over an opponent. I think if you you want the ball more, you will win the ball more. I think yeah. if we give him that energy and we give him that, yeah, platform. I think he could, um, yeah, bloody hell, he could be absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, let's get let's get stuck into the stats things. We've we've pro- I've got, we've gone over like time on on the other stuff, but it's acceptable because of, of <laughs> yeah. the the magnitude of the uh, the stuff we're discussing. But yeah, let's get stuck into the the stats, the stat show stuff, which is the stats from the friendlies that we've had so far. So we. We beat Karlsruhe last Wednesday 4-2 and then we drew McGrath the first 4-4 in a bit of a crazy game on um, on Monday. Um, but yeah, let, let's discuss. Cause I think that when you discuss like our youth players and stuff, I think that's what, what we'll focus on. 
I think the the one people are most excited about is is Ben Doak because of mm. the way he's came in. Um, even just the little snippets we've seen, he's fearless. He, everyone in the um, coaching staff mentions it, how good he carries the ball, and and Klopp mentioned like even even all that stuff. He might lose the ball quite often, but he still wants to go and win it back and stuff like that. Yeah. But what what have we what have you seen from Doak just from the the, the mm. brief amount we've seen um, this preseason that is um, exciting to you? So, to back up with stats, um, I think the, the, the one thing we look at with Doak is his ability to run with the ball and run at defenders and take defenders on. And so far from the two pre-season games, he has attempted and completed the most uh, dribbles of any Liverpool player. For, so, he's, he's played 90 minutes, which is the most anyone's played. That's about about what the, the senior players have played, is about that 90 minutes. And he is top feet for your dribbles. But interestingly... In not just dribbles where you're taking on a player, his actual how far he's been carrying the ball, he's second for that as well. Now, normally you'd expect Joe Matip's top, you'd, you'd expect defensive players to do that a lot more because they've got more room to carry the ball into from the fence. So, Doak's doing that from the wide position, which is, well, it, well, that's really, that's a really big positive that he, he can carry the ball so far from, from, from attacking positions and into the box because he's also had the second most touches in the opposition box. So he's, he's been really direct. Um, he's, he's brave for his age. Um, so th- that that ability to run at defenders and scare them, really, because he can go by them. He's pr- quite old school as far as that goes. I, th- I think with if you have Doak on the right and Diaz on the left, they're both quite old school in that they actually like to stay out wide and run at defenders, which, you know, with Mane and Salah as Liverpool's Norm the, the the right and left wing we've become so used to that's they, they would like to come inside, whereas Doak and Diaz they're more will take on the man. Um, so it's it is more old school. Like if you think back to Liverpool wing has gone by Steve McManaman type style where they would would, would hog the touchline and run at defenders. Um, so yeah, that that really excites me about Ben Doak. Um, and I know I know you love him as well as a sort of that right wing back up to Salah, which is a position where you feel like he can get game time as well. Yeah, I think especially with like Europa League, I think if we were in Champions League, I think we might have seen him on lo- go on loan. But I think Europa League is, yeah, I mean, in the worst blessing disguise, I guess. I don't, no no yeah. one wants to be in Europa League, but the fact that we are does open the door to these players. And it can, like next, this time next year, after a, after a, hopefully a good season in the, in the team, he's a, he's a completely different prospect and looks a lot a lot better. So there's, yeah. it's very positive. I think I think he's, yeah. I think if he can learn other positions as well, maybe the left hand side potentially, and mm. maybe start doing that thing that you said that he's, he's Diaz does as well, but maybe coming inside a little bit more. I think he's yeah. got the potential um, to do that, and he, he loves a shot. So I think if he can go either way um, on left foot or right foot, so I think that's that's another good thing um, that he's got in his in his weaponry. Yeah, but yeah, the other one we can discuss is, is Connor Bradley. I think mm-hmm. him, him playing at right back and Trent playing in the six has been scaring people online. I think because people are like, "Well, we're not going to sign another player, then are we? This isn't this is happening. Oh, Trent's going to stay there." Blah 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 blah. Usual stuff, but it's clearly just to see if Connor Bradley can play that right back role in defensive formations and also come into those. Um, midfield positions as well, and, and be good on the ball. I think in the first game, he, what, I don't think he was that good, but I don't like you can't expect wonders. I think in the second game yeah. for me, he looked a lot more um, 
comfortable and, and looked like he he wanted to get on the ball. He wasn't. I think first game obviously he was a bit like a bit nervous and stuff, but the second game I thought he looked a bit more comfortable on the ball. And it's another one that's a it's a work in progress. But he's another one who's. I mean, how good he can be is up to him. But he's definitely impressive again, isn't he? Yeah, I think obviously with pre-season, I mean, we've gone over the dark stats. I mean, you just got to be aware it's it's for fitness more than anything. Performances do not matter. If you if I asked you, can you remember the pre-season game from 2016? I guarantee you can't. Nobody cares. Ultimately, the results don't matter. The season Liverpool won the league, they had a pretty awful pre-season. They lost to Napoli 3-0 just before the season started and, and there were defeats to, I think, Sevilla and Dortmund in there, something like that, where, where the performances just weren't very good. Luke went and won the league, they won 26 the first 27 Premier League games. So the results in pre-season don't matter and really the performances don't so much either. I think obviously Klopp's seen these players in training a lot as well. Um, but the thing with Bradley is what what I've liked. And and yeah, I've, I think obviously the, the reason he's been playing as a right-back and Alexander Arnold in defensive midfield has been we don't have another defensive midfielder. <laughs> so it's a bit like we're kind of forced into that where... McConnell's been playing as a defensive midfielder. I don't think he's naturally a defensive midfielder for the for the under eighteens either. So um ultimately it's simply because Fabinho and Henderson aren't there and even Thiago to play uh, that role. Um but one thing statistically that stood out with Bradley is he's actually had the second most touches of the ball overall in, in the entire Liverpool squad for these two preseason games. So he's he's getting on the ball a lot. His passing accuracy at ninety one percent, which is excellent and it's certainly higher than Alexander Arnold normally is, but he's obviously trying to be more creative at times. Um, but yeah, Pastaker is at ninety-one percent, and, and having the second most uh, overall touches in that last game against Groter in that first half that he played with with, with Alexander Arnold, he had far more touches than Alexander Arnold, which I found interesting because he was inverting to be pretty much alongside him in in that midfield. They were both together. In, in that midfield and it was Bradley getting on the ball more and you'd have thought the player we'd want on the ball more is Alexander-Arnold. Um, but like I said, there's not too much to read into that. I'm not saying that would be the case if, if we were to do it in a Premier League game. Um, but it, it just shows that he's not shy and I think he's really impressing Klopp. Ramsey's just gone on loan, the other right back sort of backup we have to Preston. So basically that role as Trent's backup that is his, I feel, this season. And I'm, he was absolutely... I think, to be honest, from what people say about his time at Bolton, he was just far too good for League One. Um, it, it, he probably should have had a championship loan, if anything, because he was too good for that level. Um, but but you, hopefully he's better for that loan and he can now come into the Premier League, Europa League level uh, and, and and deliver and now is his chance because he will get opportunities because Alexander Arnold can't play every game so he will get those opportunities and yeah I, I really like the look of it Yeah I think I read somewhere as well he looks like he might be getting a, a new contract as well which would be I mean yeah. would obviously just solidify what we've just been saying about how highly he's rated I think it's never as sexy when you, you sign a young player or a young player comes through the ranks and then if the if the good or average or amazing, and I don't know, I think unless they're really amazing, like Gerard Trent level and Fowler and all that, then you appreciate them. But I feel like those like middle of the road or maybe just like good enough to be a player don't really get that appreciation in the same way. If we signed, say we signed Connor Bradley for 
12 mil from somewhere and we came in and we'd be like oh this this kid looks good he looks like he can come in and uh, getting on the ball making stuff happen and even in a friendly like you said it doesn't matter at all but he looks like he's got quality i think it's something that yeah maybe we should try and appreciate a little a little bit more i guess and, and another one that i wanted to talk about was was uh was kwanzaa because we haven't mentioned uh we've mentioned the field and the field and the field but we haven't mentioned defense um really where liverpool do ideally need like a, a specialized left center back especially for the new role that the new system um that, we're, that looks like we're gonna be playing in majority again next season um but yeah he's one that i think he's look i think he's looked decent as well um especially if liverpool maybe haven't got the um the funds for to sign someone shall we say yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, again, I've mentioned it on this show in the past. I think Liverpool do need a centre-back, to be honest, and that's not because I don't think Quanz is good enough or anything. I'm not saying that at all. You just feel like you need Matip's going in a year and you feel like if he's, it'd be better to get someone in now who can who can replace him in the long term rather than, than do it in a year, which we're learning with the midfield. You don't want to do it all at once. It's nice to have. So I, I feel like just Liverpool just could do with another centre-back option, but... I wouldn't be averse to Kwanzaa being given lots of game time. He's got he's had ninety minutes in these two forty five two halves of forty five minutes in these two friendlies, which has been been great. He's um you know, he's 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 actually won possession seven times in two games. Um he's third for successful passes, so he's he's not afraid to get on the ball, comfortable on the ball. Passing accuracy is nearly ninety three percent. So he's he's been absolutely fine on the ball. Um, against teams who were much further on in their pre-season in Karlsruhe and Greuther there, further on in pre-season than Liverpool are. And he still manages to maintain that sort of um, consistency of his passing and on the ball. Um, and he's not all shy because, like I say, third most number of successful passes, so he's getting a lot of the ball um, in, in that time. He's only Van Dijk and Alexander-Arnold completed more. Um, so that's a, a really good sign I feel and and he's always impressed me in the under 21s to be fair um watching some of the youth league games and things like that he's he's, he's always been quite a standout player he's, he's obviously yet to make his his actual competitive debut for the first team Billy Cumetio is the one youth centre-back who has and he's obviously not with the senior squad on pre-season I mean, so maybe Quans has sort of pushed ahead of him in 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 Klopp's thinking of, of who would be his a fifth choice at the minute, centre half. Do you think? Um, if assuming Nat Phillips were to go, um, so yeah, I, I, again another player I, I like the look of. Um, wouldn't worry too much about the fact that we've conceded goals with makeshift teams in this preseason. It doesn't really matter too much. That wouldn't be the case. Um, once you further into the season, he's built up partnerships with whoever he is alongside. Um, but yeah, I think if Liverpool don't sign a centre half, he'll certainly get game time. I do feel that. Yeah, because I, I, mean, I saw a, a journalist, David Lynch, does like YouTube videos, basically ten minute clips where he goes through everything. And if you're not, if you haven't seen any of them, go and go and subscribe to his um, channel because it is really insightful. And he basically said that uh, I think it was yesterday that the Colwell deal is basically n- nearly impossible, um, yeah. which is. Unfortunate. I mean, unless he kind of engineers a move, I guess. But then Chelsea might just not want to sell him to us because we're a rival, etc. Um, which I guess last season we were both like rivals for being shit. But um, this season, hopefully, will be. Um, well, hopefully, will be a bit better than they won't be. 
Um, but yeah, I think it's it's interesting to see who Liverpool might go for because I think like the Sobislai signing was one kind of out of left field where it was like we weren't expecting that one and we've done it in the past yeah. that hopefully Liverpool might have their eye on someone. There's, there's plenty of names we could talk about, but we won't go into that, but there's plenty of names Liverpool can... Um, can can get stuck into hopefully, but like you said, if if not, I think we do need to. I agree with you. I think Quonset will have to, yeah, step up in a way that Billy Camesio definitely didn't. I don't think <laughs> he didn't get that many games, but I think from what we've seen, you could it was clear to see the jump from the youth to the standard that we needed yeah. them to be at, which just just wasn't there. And I think that's always the I think jeopardy. Set, set Centre half is one of the hardest positions yeah. to, to make that step up, to be honest, because it's just so at the top level, it's so difficult. These strikers now and forwards are so good, and and you've got to have a partnership really with you've got to understand your back line and how your team playing. So certainly even even harder maybe in this Liverpool system with the high line and things. So it is very very hard. Um, so that's why Konza, yeah, it, it would it wouldn't be easy for him, and you'd hope that if he came in and did have a bad game, people wouldn't just completely jump on him and say, oh, he's not good enough. We should have sold him or anything like that because he he has the potential to be good enough. You just gotta give him time, basically. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that's the only thing with this season with like players leaving. There's a lot of I guess pressure for other players to step up, and it's not as like a settled team, settled. Squad, I guess, unless we get the like the replacements in quick and, and get settled quickly, which we need to do. Like you said, we need to be at a pretty high level to be matching City, um, like we've done for so long. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think now that the Henderson deal is completed, Fabinho hopefully completed in the next couple of days. I think we'll hopefully see some maybe some movement on defensive reinforcements. I think Liverpool just wanted to get it out of the way, get Lavia over the line, hopefully ASAP, and then focus on some defensive reinforcements. But definitely going to be interesting to see what Liverpool go for. Uh, but yeah, we can leave it there, Mike. Thanks, as always, for jumping on. I, I say it every time. If you're not following Mike on Twitter, then go and do it. It's at Michael underscore Reed 11. Always, always some good stuff on there, especially good when Joyce retweets it and um, <laughs> his, Twitter, his Twitter goes mad. So, Hopefully he does that again soon because that was that was a laugh. Probably not a laugh for you, like but it's a laugh. Yeah, well, for me. yeah, not a laugh for my phone notifications and mentions and things. No, but <laughs> yeah, no, nice one for jumping on as always. And thanks everyone Cheers, for mate. listening. The um, the support recently has been, even with no, I suppose friendlies and whatever. It's not quite the same, but the support's been amazing recently. So really do appreciate it. And yeah, we'll be back probably. Probably soon with another stat show or another another show uh, to talk about the Reds. Hopefully, got Leicester coming up on Sunday, so I've got another. I've got a chat with Jamie on the, on the Saturday to preview that. Um, and yeah, thanks as always, Mike. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you all very soon. Nice one. I'm Jamie Carragher, and you are listening to the Copy Podcast. Network.